Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My name is Patrick Adams, and today's guest is Matt Singh, and he is the Director of Operational Excellence and a Master Black Belt for the Department of Administrative Services in the state of Nebraska. Uh, over the last 20 years, he has previously served in a variety of progressive management roles, including sales and service, operations, and supply chain. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you, sir. It's, it's great to be here. I'm a huge fan of everything you do for the industry. Well, I appreciate that, Matt, very much. But I have also heard quite a bit about your passion for continuous improvement, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you as a guest on the show. Let's talk about that. How did your... Uh, passion for continuous improvement or, or operational excellence. Where did that come from? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I had kind of a unique upbringing. My dad was a uh, senior director and VP of operations for major airlines, all the airlines that you guys are aware of. My mom was a senior director of operations for Fortune 500 companies growing up. So growing up, operational excellence was just our, part of our family culture. As I went through school, I ended up getting my bachelor's and master's uh, master's in leadership from University of Nebraska-Lincoln and really getting into uh, different management roles uh, where I started to see that operational excellence was uh, not only important but vital to a healthy team and healthy results. Um, as I got into uh, some supply chain management, I got a little bit more formal training, got uh, certified in lean and ended up achieving a master black belt in uh, Six Sigma, master black belt in lean Six Sigma, uh, certified lean sensei, getting a PMP and then certified in supply chain analytics as well as analytics and supply chain. So I, during the path, just the educational path, it was mm -hmm. really helpful to um, be exposed to all these different ideas because it really helped me apply them and kind of see what works in real life and what doesn't. Right, right. Now, and that's, I love that, you know, looking through your, your bio and just seeing all the different things that you've been involved with because it hasn't just been educational. You've actually applied, you know, the tools and the techniques in many, in different industries and now in, you know, with our government, which is amazing. So I, I so much appreciate what you're doing and how you're helping to promote operational excellence, uh, you know, across our government and in the state of Nebraska. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it truly is. You know, I've always been big on team development and I spent uh, several years in operations element of, of the business. And sometimes people think operations, operational excellence doesn't have to be about team orientation. And that could not be more wrong. Mm -hmm. When we look at operational excellence and this lean, this lean Six Sigma, whatever genre of it we're practicing, it is all about the team. It's all yeah. about culture. It's all about development. And so that's, I think that's really gave me my, my passion. Like you mentioned earlier for this industry, much like yours, it, it's about helping people. That's right. Uh, hey, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, in, in my experience, those those lean practitioners that understand that respect for people is so important and, you know, that it is about the people and developing people, empowering people, equipping people with the right tool sets and, and just the right skills to be able to be successful in their roles. You know, that's where the long term sustainability comes when you're when you're pouring into the people, uh, those especially those that are closest to the work. Right. Those that, that are re the real experts in the work. Yeah. And, and I like how you said pouring into the people yeah. and that. That is a great accurate description because when you, when you get with these teams, you, you know, they're frustrated because there's an operational thing, there's a financial thing, there's a political pain point, whatever it is, it can be taxing to their soul and to their being. And just everyday work, what used to be fun now becomes stressful. Yeah. And when you get in there and really help them solve their own problems and use these tools and techniques, uh, you know, what, whatever approach that's used, and you can help them overcome that and enjoy work again. 
mm-hmm. and enjoy their, what, what they signed up to do. That is really a great example of, as you said, pouring yourself into them. Um, great description. <laughs> yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And obviously over the years, you know, you and I both have uh, had many different lessons that have been learned in working with people. Uh, and I would be curious to hear, and I'm sure my listeners would also be interested to hear, uh, what's been your greatest lesson uh, that you've learned as you know a, a lean practitioner, as a, a Six Sigma Master Black Belt, uh, maybe in project, you know, maybe in a project that you've been involved with, or a Kaizen event, or or just in people development in general. What's been your greatest lesson that you've learned? You know, I, I've always had a, a unique career in that uh, starting about the time I, I graduated from college, in my roles, somehow I was identified by higher level management to always help with special projects. Mm. So uh, I was always helping the chief operations officers and vice president's operations with special projects, even though it was slightly outside my pay grade, uh, even as I progressed a little bit outside my pay grade. And uh, when you hang out at that level, what happened to me, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm sure several of the listeners can can kind of relate is when you spend a lot of time in meetings with executives, um, that bottom line becomes very evident. It's, mm-hmm. it's about, especially in, in uh, you know, businesses that are there to make money. Um, or even nonprofits where you, you, know, you, can't under, you, know, you can't overspend because the money's not there. Or even government too, where we try to be responsible with our finances. You know, a lot of times those bottom line results can be, take up a lot of the talking points, can mm-hmm. take up a lot of the meeting time, can take up a lot of the deciding whether or not you're making progress. And I think that molded me for a while in terms of looking at project management and continuous improvement and operational excellence in terms of, I don't want to say only bottom line results, but it certainly started taking over my mindset as I progressed. And, uh, you know, as, as you get, uh, you know, a hundred projects underneath your belt, 200, 300, 400, 500, so it keeps going with even more projects and all that stuff. You get that experience. And I think what I learned over time was results can be achieved a lot of different ways. lot of different ways there's not one right way to do stuff there's probably some best practices we should follow Mm -hmm. and that's certainly part of all those different trainings and so forth really any good project management office but there's a lot of different ways to do it and i think the most important thing is what you mentioned earlier is about getting there with the team Mm -hmm. getting pouring yourself into the team because you can get results by not doing that but are they sustainable results right second you leave or the second the executive who asked you to do the project leaves Will those results still be there? And the answer is if the team didn't believe in it and the people doing the work don't believe in it or understand it, it will not. I guarantee you it will backslide. That's a guarantee for me. So uh, what I learned over the years, the biggest lesson I learned, and your book does a great job of articulating my exact sentiments on it, is bring the team with you. Invest in them. Make it a group effort. Uh, You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Uh, But that group IQ and that group dynamics collaboration will always, always, always result and a better, more sustainable impact to the business. I absolutely agree 100%, Matt. And also in working with people too, you know, there, you can have some some tough times, right? And I'm curious to hear, you know, maybe if you can think of an example of uh, maybe a time when you were working with a team and you had maybe a difficult individual. Uh, what, what approach would you take, you know, in your experience with somebody that maybe, uh, because again, we do have individuals that are completely 100% engaged and excited about being part of change, uh, being part of a Kaizen event, being part of, you know, mapping a process, whatever it might be. But you always have maybe that one that is kind of uh, maybe arms crossed at the table or not, uh, maybe not being as vocal as they could be, you know, maybe a subject matter expert that isn't sharing their knowledge or, or for some reason they have difficulty. What would you say would be your 
you know, your approach to working with someone like that? Yeah, I, I think the best advice I can give, and I'm thinking through several, several situations where that's occurred, pretty much every project has something like that to some extent. Mm -hmm. That's why it became a project, because there's there's some kind of major constraints. Seek to understand. Mm -hmm. Understand. You know, a lot of the things that helped you get into this industry, um, if you're in any kind of management role, the things that help you get into management is one of those skill sets is, you know, making decisions off of the limited data we have. And just kind of using our gut understanding and situational awareness. And that's a good skill set to have, but it can also be the enemy of getting team buy-in sometimes. I'm not suggesting you forget what you know. What I'm saying is there's another equal skill, different humors of the universe, if you will. And that is seeking to really understand what's going on. I had this project. It was about a $20 million project. Uh, in all reality, it probably should have taken about six months. Mm -hmm. That'd probably be a healthy approach due to the political nature of it. We had six weeks. Wow. And so the science of it is the project leader uh, it ended up breaking down methodologically into a lot of different interesting ways. But the, the number one thing is we had a team member who had all the information on one very important part of the process, where the, where the pain point was, where the major pain point was. And uh, they refused to put it down into standard operational procedures, like the Yoda effect, where they kind of, you know, they, they do it internally to themselves. They knew all the process, but they didn't want to explain it to others. And this was part of the pain point. Then everybody going up to it said, oh, yeah, you know, this person's going to be a pain in the butt. This person's going to be X, Y, and Z. And my first thought was, well, well, why? Right? We're, we're here to make it better for her. This will give her better job performance. Why? And nobody could give me a good answer. And so during the process, within, it was a Kaizen event, um, last five days, a very intense kind of lock the doors. Let's get it done in five days. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely manifested itself in that storming phase, you know, of team development within the first, uh, I'd say, day, within the first hour. And there definitely was a uh, us versus the mentality forming, starting to form between the team. And, you know, I, I openly addressed it uh, a couple of times and it helped a little bit, but that didn't uh, fully solve it. So I really wanted to seek to understand. Uh, so I did during lunch break on day two, I pulled her aside and said, hey, you know, can I talk to you? She's like, yeah, am I in trouble? I'm like, well, I don't know. You may be, but it has nothing to do with me. Um, <laughs> really quick. And I was just had an open, honest conversation with her it, behind locked, closed doors. I was like, hey, here's the deal. I'm really trying to do this. I, th I think this will help you. I have no vested interests other than helping you guys. Can you help me understand why this seems like, at least it, it, I perceive me to be that you really don't want this. And she didn't want it. She openly admitted it and she broke down. And um, if you're new to these kind of, they call them crucial conversations. If this is new to you, it's not uncommon when you have these moments of authenticity for people yeah. to break down and crying. Uh, sometimes they throw shoes across the room. Sometimes they get up and walk out. These are all normal parts of the storming phase of a healthy project. Right. You got to be ready for it. And when I finally heard her, the, the end result was what was really causing the frustrations for her had nothing at all to do with the project, the project team members, anything. Something had happened 10 years ago, and it was still there. And it impacted her her quality of work. Hmm. Uh, Story short, she ended up being the biggest advocate for it. By day three, she was leading day three, four, and five as the leader. I wasn't even being aggressive enough for her. She was on board and driving this thing, and we ended up getting it solved within the time frame we had. Wow. Uh, top of that, to this day, she's still in my professional network. We stay in touch. And so that's one of several examples I put out there. Um, if you're new to this, that's normal. Yeah. Don't don't get frustrated. But the greatest thing I can tell you is seek to understand mm -hmm. because nobody's inherently against your project. No one is. Right. Uh, and we have to figure out where that constraint's coming from, where that concern's coming from, and help understand it and work with them through it. Absolutely. What what great advice. Uh, I'm a firm believer that everybody comes to work wanting to do a good job. And, you know, sometimes they just have frustrations, as you said. 
And, you know, a, a great leader is going to identify that and be willing to, to dig into it. And as you said, seek to understand and some amazing things can happen. My experience as well has been the same where those are the people that sometimes become your greatest advocates for change. And so if you're willing to invest the time and really seek to understand, genuinely seek to understand, because people know the difference, right? Um, yeah. Then amazing yeah. things can happen. I got. I have to imagine, Matt, that over the years you've filled your tool belt with many different tools. Uh, obviously, you know, being a master black belt, I know that you have many different tools, techniques that you use. What do you think? If you had to choose one out of all the different tools and techniques that you have, what would you say is your most favorite tool or technique? You know, it, it's funny because a lot of times I, I do guest speaking as a subject matter expert throughout the nation and creating different videos for different universities and stuff. And anytime I'm asked this question, I think people are a little bit surprised because they're expecting me to pull out one of my statistical tools <laughs> or one of my cool uh, visual tools. And those are fun. Don't get me wrong. I could talk about those for hours. Uh, but I think the most advantageous tool that exists in all the toolboxes anywhere in operational excellence, in my opinion, is voice of the customer. Mm. Uh, see voice of the customer and simply put that's going out and talking to the people that actually receive the service talking to the internal customers those that actually do the process and it's very qualitative and it's very antidotal and some people look down on that but i think that's the strength of it is go and just talk to the people talk to the people that are involved and see what their concerns are what their perception is seek to understand where they're coming from because sometimes and it's, it's not against anybody. It just has to do with the organizational structure. It has to do with systems set up many, many years ago. But sometimes there's a disconnect between what a report says, an Excel spreadsheet says, and what the people are actually experiencing. And that's very real. Sure. And voice the customer helps us get out there and touch base with the people doing the process and receiving the product and saying, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Because then we can find solutions. And again, there's a lot of ways to come up with solutions. But we can find a solution that helps the customers, internal and external customers, meet their needs, be satisfied with the product, and still achieve the business objectives. That's um, right. So the most powerful tool in the toolkit, I'd strongly recommend if, you, if you've never come across it before, that's okay. A lot of genres don't teach it. Uh, but definitely in the lean world, lean Six Sigma world, um, check out Voice of the Customer or VOC. It's yeah. A powerful tool you'll come across. Absolutely. I, I remember walking into, I think I actually posted a picture of this at one time, but voice of the customer can come in many different uh, forms. I walked into a library at a university and they had uh, two chairs sitting at the doorway uh, and behind the two chairs was a whiteboard and it said, uh, we're, we're replacing our library chairs. Try these two out and let us know which one you like best. And there was like a voting box and everything. And, uh, and, I, and so I saw students sitting in both of the chairs and having fun with it and taking pictures and, uh, and then putting their vote in. And I thought, what a creative way for a library of all places to get their voice of the customer. To, you know, the people that are sitting in the library, they want them to be comfortable. Why would they not reach out and ask them to be part of the process? What chair do you think? is going to be best for you since you're going to be the one sitting in it, right? And a lot of times yeah. we forget that. We don't think it. We just think, oh, I know what's best, you know, so I'll just, I'll just do it myself versus, uh, you know, actually taking the time to reach out and ask our customers what they think. Well, and the real impact with that exact example, too, is every single time anybody who took a picture or participated or put a check mark on the board or any way, shape, or form engaged with that, every time they walk in that library and they see one of those chairs, 
that memory is going to be triggered. Mm-hmm. And the, remember, they were a part of that process. And that's where the real power with this voice of the customer comes from is that they were involved in the entire process of solutionizing. That's right. Powerful tool. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and obviously, as I mentioned, you've also been involved in, in many different cultural development opportunities for d- different companies and d- just building uh, true continuous improvement cultures. And obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about what you're doing at uh, the state of Nebraska here shortly. But can you share some insight with the listeners around, you know, just building a culture of innovation and continuous improvement, what that looks like, what your involvement has been, and maybe even some advice for, for our listeners around that? Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of story about me. I, uh, I was doing a lot of continuous improvements in the private sector, um, especially off of L Street in Omaha for a lot of the different manufacturers, some different uh, supply chain groups, uh, working with Bellevue University MBA program, University of Nebraska Omaha MBA program, Apex, which is a supply chain management inventory an organization. And long story short, I ended up coming to the state about six years ago to kind of kick off their continuous improvement program underneath Governor Ricketts. Uh, Governor Ricketts is the governor of Nebraska. He's on his second term. Um, and he came in wanting to make government more effective, efficient, and customer focused. And so what he had asked to do is create a center that can help the agencies do that. And uh, I'm the director of that center. Uh, and we got it up and running. But as you can imagine, with any organization, but especially in government, we had a lot of pushback, mm. a lot of pushback. People originally thought we were there to take their jobs, which could not be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. People said, you know, we've seen this kind of stuff come and go before. You know, you'll be on in six months. We had all sorts of people who really just didn't understand. I mean, I think most of these people in this kind of change management environment, it's not that they're for or against, they haven't heard enough to understand it. And so they're kind of neutral and that's, that's perceived sometimes as, as being oppositional, but I don't think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got started with the, some of the basics of creating a Lean Six Sigma program or really any operational excellence program. And I'll, I'll just review very high level some of those right off the bat. And this is, this is by the book, but I can also speak that it, it works in real life every time yeah. I've tried it. Um, so first off, you know, identifying an, a sponsor for the overall program some kind of executive that has clout that when it comes down to it and there's competing priorities has the authority to say, we're either going to go with operational excellence on this particular decision, or we're going to go the other direction for good reasons. And it's not so much the decision. It's the fact that we have one person we can go to in in our, in our situation, it was uh, governor Pete Ricketts, but then also his chief of staff, Mr. Miltenberger and his chief administrator, uh, director, Jason Jackson, uh, who are all of a one mind of helping us drive this forward. Sure. But that, itself, legitimate authority in itself doesn't just get the job done. You got to have it for one of those situations, but 90% of your situations are not that situation. Right. So we pushed a huge, huge effort on getting the cultural impact. We hired uh, full-time practitioners uh, that received some pretty intense training uh, or a similar mindset, a one team, one dream kind of connectivity across the entire enterprise, which is 18 different agencies. So think about 18 different companies, right? Everything from the state patrol to the corrections facilities to health and human services, they all have their own cabinet member, leader above them, like a a CEO of each company. And the thing for us was how do we drive cultural change when culture can be something very different? Mm -hmm. So if an agency that's largely made up of social workers, that's going to be a different approach than if you have an agency full of cops who have been on the streets for, you know, 40 years. And so, but there are common threads and themes. And I think the number one thing is seeking to understand, listening, using things like visual management, and really just persistence and, and coming with a good authentic spirit. 
Uh, it's, it's, if you're just in, you know, if there's somebody in this field that's just doing it for the money and there is decent money in this field, if, if you're on the private sector, um, I get that. And that's fair enough. But, uh, as you said earlier, people do heck up on those cues as to why you're there. Mm-hmm. If you tell a team, Hey, I really care about these results. And they're, they're feeling, Hey, I really care about my paycheck. They're probably not going to open up to you, right? They have to know you actually care about them. And that authenticity and that persistence, I think are the two most important factors once you understand their concerns of how to get them on board with the change. Because if, if you're going into change management guys and girls, and you think it's not going to have struggles and it's not going to have those tough days, it will. Mm-hmm. There will be hiccups. There will be uh, people that should be on board, you would think, but don't quite get it yet. And your job is to, to help them through a process. And it is a process of, of change management. If you're ever curious about this, guys, there is a Harvard case study on myself and the Ricketts administration going through the several year process. It is on the, uh, if you want to check it out, it's a great Harvard case study. It's very accurate. Um, check out the Center of Operational Excellence Nebraska website. So Center of Operational Excellence Nebraska website. In addition, it also has several, several educational videos. Mm. So learn how to do a Pew diagram. If you want to learn how to do really any tools, any kind of stuff, it should have some instructional videos there too. So please check that out and um, it'll help with the change management efforts. And I appreciate that you guys put that out there, Matt. And we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and it, it's free of charge, right? As far as, far as I understand it, to, to be able to access the, the, the case study and some of those tools that are in there. Yeah, absolutely. One, one of the things that um, I really love about Center of Operational Excellence is we see this as a service to the citizens of Nebraska, but also to anybody, citizens anywhere, private sector, public sector, nonprofit sector. Uh, our goal is to put tools out there and educational opportunities out there for you guys to learn and grow in the industry. Um, so, it, yeah, it's all free. And if you guys ever see something that you wish was up there that's not up there, please reach out directly to me at Matthew period Singh, S-I-N-G-H, at Nebraska.com. And I'd be happy to create a document or video and put it up there for you. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. A couple of the things that you mentioned in your answer that I wanted to just expand on a little bit. Uh, you mentioned the the champion uh, that you know the governor for you specifically being the champion for any organization having you know any project having that champion in place is so key. Uh, not just to to help lead the project and help give you know uh, direction, but also remove roadblocks. You know, a lot of times when with projects. Uh, you know, us as the project manager, we might have, we might run into those roadblocks where we just unfortunately can't get traction or, you know, maybe there, there's a, another leader that maybe is, I hate to say this, but standing in the way or, or maybe moving, you know, throwing the project in a different direction or whatever it might be. Uh, but the, the project champion's role is also to, you know, come in and, and help remove some of those roadblocks so that the lean practitioners or the project managers can be successful. I don't know if you have any have had any experience with that or you know have any uh, maybe a project or a story uh, where a project champion maybe the governor you know or, or it could be any other project champion jumped in to maybe help remove a roadblock for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, all the time. Uh, you know, one of the things about our, our black belt program, um, and it sounds kind of funny if you don't haven't heard about the, about the belt system, but in Lean Six Sigma and Six Sigma they have belts like much like you would have in karate or judo. Uh, white belts is for a very simple introduction. Yellow belts get a little bit more advanced. Green belts where you start seeing actual projects. We have an executive green belt and then a black belt, and black belts take on the, the big things. Uh, my black belt program helps me with projects that are across the entire enterprise. So it's, it's across uh, eight, you know eight, nine, ten different agencies working with all the cabinet members and stuff. 
they also help when sometimes there's projects between the federal level and the state level. And so sometimes there's a perception, uh, and I'll say perception because I don't think it's real, not in my experience, but there's sometimes there are perceptions um, that there's competing priorities when in fact that's not the case. And so there, there's this need to kind of leverage that that sponsor or champion to help make decisions. I think what I can speak about is the state of Nebraska uh, about two years ago launched what's called a one-stop portal, hmm. a one-stop portal website. So it's a website for its entrepreneurs who are looking to start businesses. Uh, the concern was that people were using their life savings to invest in getting a building and they thought they were going to start their business. Uh, the inspector would come the day of, of um, you know, ribbon cutting and they come in and say, we can't use this building to brew beer or do cigars or whatever. It doesn't meet the code. And, you know, the investors are like, well, sure we can. We got the paperwork. Like, well, not all the paperwork. You missed something. And so this was becoming a frustration. In some of these cases, the entrepreneurs didn't have the financial resources to double back and actually go through with their business. So it was, it was a dream killer for some. And so as you can tell, the Rick's administration takes uh, growing Nebraska and citizens very seriously. Um, and so the, the Ricketts administration looked to the Center of Operational Excellence to say, hey, can you guys help with this? Um, so we ended up creating a one-stop portal website that has um, all the, the links and all the documentations for all the agencies. So if you wanted to start a, say, cigar place uh, tomorrow, a cigar shop at State Downtown Lincoln, you could go into the website, do a couple drop-downs to talk about what you're trying to start, and an entire list of all the different links that you'll need to click on to fill out the paperwork are right there. So you can just blank, fill the paperwork, save it, send it in. And it makes it very simple. Uh, well, it's a very noble project. It yeah. was a very complicated project because, sure. of course, you have to work with every single agency uh, that requires to upload information. We're talking. There are agencies that work directly underneath the governor, but there are several agencies that do not. Um, and so the agencies working underneath the governor, that was pretty easy. Uh, you know, hey, guys, we're working on this. Let's get this done. Not a big deal. We start talking about uh, certain programs like Department of Education, just for examples of mm-hmm. those that don't. Not that these were the ones that were in issues, but like departments of uh, recreations and parks, departments of uh, all sorts of things are independent of the governor's office, but they still have paperwork that needs filled out. Um, so working with them, we did come across a couple uh, programs that had significantly important paperwork that we needed to get links set up on the website. But uh, I don't think it was in opposition to what we we're trying to do. I think everybody got the value of it. Mm-hmm prioritization of, of getting it done in a reasonable time period, our understanding of reasonable time period um, was just not a top priority for them. And so we weren't getting the follow-up we needed to go forward with our timeline. Um, this is a great example where I escalated to, uh, in this situation, the chief of staff, uh, Mr. Milnberg, and also Governor Ricketts, and they simply reached out and called, you know, and it, it doesn't always have to be confrontational or anything like that. They just called right. and said, Hey, we're calling, we're trying to do this thing. Would you be willing to help us out? And of course, they were able to remove those obstacles that I was not able to remove at my level. Um, so I think that really highlights a real life example of uh, a real life situation with, with major significant impacts of um, as the project manager, I just didn't have the clout needed or the ability to influence. And so I did go to my sponsors and said, help, yeah. <laughs> can you help with this? And they picked up the phone and did what they did and ended up getting a, a stronger partnership. Uh, with people vital to the project. That's amazing. And that's exactly what a, a good project champion should be doing. And, and so, and also as, as a project manager, you know, or, or lean practitioner, 
uh, being humble enough or willing to ask for help when you need help, right? Those are those are just a couple of lessons that I kind of pulled away as you were as you were telling that story. So thank you for sharing that. For our listeners that that, that are here that maybe are brand new to Lean and Six Sigma, maybe they're just hearing about Lean for the first time or they're very early in their Lean journey. What what would be maybe some advice from you on maybe first steps or, you know, I guess it could even be advice for someone that is maybe further along in their journey, uh, but you maybe are struggling or they they're hung up or their, their wheels are spinning. They're just not able to get traction. Uh, any advice for those people on first steps? What, what should they do to, uh, to start moving? So this is, this is the lean sensei in me. Um, and I, I preface that because there's a there's a quality management guy that does Six Sigma in me too that that has a very different answer. But from a very humanistic perspective, a, a broad stroke perspective, a perspective I think everyone listening to can connect with. Mm-hmm. It's gonna sound a little cliche, but I'd say look internally, look inside you, and help help understand why you're doing these things. Why are you doing continuous improvement? Mm-hmm. Would be my suggestion. If you can understand why you're involved with it, we can better understand where the frustrations or hiccups are coming from. So for instance, in the course of the Center of Operational Excellence last six years, our program underneath me has produced a cabinet member um, and about nine or 10 division directors, people coming from jobs never doing anything like this before to within three, four years having skill sets advanced to levels that are just phenomenal. Hmm. In every one of those situations, at some point there was a crux where we had to have a conversation, very much like you're describing of frustrations, concerns, maybe lack of guidance, whatever. And I, I would say, Try to understand what you're trying to accomplish. It, it doesn't even matter what the answer to that is, but do you know what you're doing every day when you come in trying to practice this stuff? Because if your heart's not in it and your mind's not in it and they're not in alignment, you're never going to achieve your full potential. So for me, it's a way of life, and I truly believe in this. I was a church worker for three years, and I believe that I'm no longer a church worker, uh, but I believe this is an extension of that belief system of doing good here on earth. Mm. That's me. It doesn't have to drive you. You know what? Let's Let's say it is your career that drives you. Okay, where do you want to go? What is your objective in five years for your career? Because then let that motivate you to do your absolute best for the people around you. Let's say you just like being a subject matter expert, and that's as far as you thought through it. Not a problem. So if your joy comes from being a subject matter expert, what is it that's causing frustration? Why do we think we're not making progress? What particular skill or technique is it we need to develop to help you move this project or your career forward or this or the program forward or whatever it might be that that's hung up. So I, I think the very first step is look internally, be honest with yourself as to what you're trying to accomplish. And there is no wrong answer. And then once you have that moment of reality with yourself, now let's look through what some next steps could be to achieve it. And I, I would suggest grabbing, uh, listen to podcasts like this, read good books uh, like the uh, um, the, the book we've talked about here, uh, Trap, I believe it is, uh, look at the coaches and mentors. You know, go find some coaches and mentors in the industry that have a really good understanding of, of this stuff. And be open to feedback. You know, we all make mistakes. I make mistakes daily. I've probably made mistakes on this podcast. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. The point is to get up every day and keep driving forward and surround yourself with some people who can give you guidance or feedback or even really just moral support to keep moving forward. That's right. I think uh, just as you're as you're talking, it makes me think of uh, Dr. Jeff Liker's leadership development model and and the the section that he talks about personal development and how key that is. I, and you know, for each one of us, no matter where we're at in our in our own personal journey, uh, being able to you know even as a master black belt, as a black belt, 
you know, as someone with 20 plus years experience in the lean world, you know, every, every person should be looking for opportunities to continue to develop themselves and become a better leader, become a better lean practitioner, become a better problem solver. And that's, you know, being organizations as well, being learning organizations that are, that are supporting individuals in their personal development is also a, you know, an important piece of that too. So thank you for sharing that. I want to wrap up our conversation today. I feel like we could continue to, to talk about this uh, all day long, but I want to, I want to kind of bring us full circle back around to the state of Nebraska and the amazing work that the state is doing to help support operational excellence and really promote continuous improvement cultures uh, within organizations in Nebraska. And, and obviously with this Harvard case study and what you guys are doing there, you know, you're promoting it even outside of the state of Nebraska. So I so much appreciate what you guys are doing. But the month of October is actually a special month for Nebraska. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The month of October is uh, the governor proclaims it an official proclamation that it is Center of Operational Excellence Month. Wow. But pretty exciting month where we have all sorts of uh, videos being posted, pictures, recognition for our teams. Uh, we regularly across the state do over 400 continuous improvement projects per year, and we this is our opportunity to talk about a lot of them. Um, we actually have a Center of Operational Excellence Summit, our first ever Operational Excellence Summit, which... Um, both of us will be there. Yes, I'm excited to be there. We'll, we'll, we'll be both both be speaking, and I'm, I'm excited to to visit Nebraska and and meet the governor and and just uh, see all of the amazing work that's happening uh, at the state level. So the summit itself is not necessarily open to the public, but maybe that's something in the future. I think that will will be available. Yeah, the, uh, this is our first year, so we're really trying to get our basis with um, lessons learned from other states that have done this, mm -hmm. South Dakota, Missouri, and some others that were kind enough to, to lend their expertise to us. And so the first year or two, we're going to uh, kind of keep it internal to our Nebraska program. Sure. That but in the future, we more likely not will be opening that up to all sorts of uh, people that are interested in learning and growing in the industry. So if this is something that excites you and you're sad that you can't come this year, that's Okay. Um, check out our Center of Operational Excellence website. Look at some of the videos. Uh, shoot me a phone call, email, text, whatever works for you. Let's get connected and uh, become part of our network so we can continue to grow each other and really grow this industry in our organizations. Yeah, and I appreciate that, Matt. It, can you re just repeat the website one more time for people? And we'll also drop that into the show notes. But where, where can people go if they want to learn a little bit more about the work that the, the state of Nebraska is doing and maybe even get some access to some of those uh, those, to those tools that you guys have out there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebraska Center of Operational Excellence or Center of Operational Excellence Nebraska. Uh, just put that in Google uh, and we are the only, we are the first one that will pop up. Uh, Perfect. Department of Administrative Services, Center of Operational Excellence. Check that out. Once you get there, there's some cool, we try to make it as simple as possible. We try to practice what we preach, keep it simple. There's some different orbs you can click on. Everything, if you're into the analytics, you want to see what's produced. You want to see the over 80 million it's saved in six years and where that's at. Um, you know, number training, stuff like that. We have an analytics section. We have a network section. So if you're in any of those nonprofits or government entities that might work, or even some private sector companies that work with the government, you can go in there and check out uh, which uh, agency has certified lean leaders, which ones has executive green belts, what their names are, where they're at. So please use that as well. Um, we have description of all our trainings, which are uh, all the different belts, plus some certified lean leader stuff, so plus some coaching and counseling um, we also have uh, an education section, which I think is what I'm really, really excited about talking about. And I talked about it a little bit earlier, but please check out that education tab. 
Um, we're creating one-page documents, you know, like those cheat sheets they have at school sometimes are laminated. You can get all the answers for physics. You can oh, study yeah. physics by looking at this one-page document, right, at least enough to pass the test. And that's kind of what we created, a bunch of one-pagers you guys can use to get the gist of certain elements that can be complicated. Uh, we also have tons of videos, probably 30, 40 videos at this point of everything from how do you do science-driven decision-making to um, how do you do to make projects? How do you use particular tools? And again, if you guys have any ideas of something that you're disappointed that's not up there, please reach out to me personally and let me know what you're thinking. And I can, at some point, get that tool or document created and put on the website for you. Um, so please check it out, guys. Again, Center of Operational Excellence, Nebraska. And uh, let us know what you think. Well, Matt, this has been great. And I so much appreciate, again, all of the work that, that you guys are doing at the state of Nebraska to help support and promote uh, continuous improvement and operational excellence, uh, not just in the state of Nebraska, but uh, really to anyone, anywhere. Uh, so thank you for what you guys are doing. And I look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks. So thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. One final word. Again, yeah. I, I want to thank you for having me. But one final thing to all your listeners, if you have not read his book, I would strongly encourage you go read it. I don't know. Do you have multiple books? I only read one. Just book. the one. Uh, we have the the audio and uh, also a workbook that'll be coming out next year. So I'm receiving no compensation, nor was I even asked <laughs> to plug. Just having read it, I could not agree more with the spirit behind it and the wisdom and the insight. It, it, as you get further in this industry, it becomes more and more true. And so I just I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge apostle of that book. So please check it out. And if you have any questions, again, about the industry, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to answer them. All right. Thanks again, Matt. So much appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.